Good morning, and uh, let me be the first to tell you, happy Resurrection Day. Uh, we are just so thankful that you are here, that you uh, that you chose to be here with us. Some of you are like, yeah, I didn't choose. Somebody drug me here, all right? I want you to know I'm thankful you're here. I believe that God has a word uh, for us this morning, and uh, we are able to have hope this morning because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I... I just want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you, and I just want to say that uh, that you have been prayed for all this week. Uh, we didn't know who would be here. We didn't know who would show up, uh, but I believe that God has you here uh, for a reason. And as I said, as we celebrate this morning, as we uh, look at the Easter story, I know that uh, for many of you, you've heard it. Uh, so many times that you could probably do a better job than I'm doing this morning. Anybody, anybody's heard the Easter story more than a dozen times, all right? And what happens many times in our lives when we when we hear things uh, and we hear them so much, they become something, and then sometimes they they lose the significance of what they should be. And this morning, my prayer is is that maybe for some of us this morning, God might stir your heart for the very first time. God might open your heart, He might open your mind, He might open your eyes to the truth of His Word. And my prayer for some of us this morning is that today will be the day that that you give your life to Jesus. I would guess in a room this size that there are a few of us who have never made that decision. Uh, But for the most part, I would say that most of us in here have surrendered our lives to Jesus. And my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that God would stir our hearts and our love and our affection for who He is. That we could, when we leave this place, that we could truly celebrate the resurrection and the significance of what Jesus came and that He did for each and every single person here. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me real quickly. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 27. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should, should be one there close in your front seat. It will also be on the screen here in just a moment. And as we talk about hope, and as we, we talk about the significance about who Jesus is, as we talk about the life change that, that many of us experienced uh, because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, uh, there's also been times in my life, and maybe you can relate as well, and our story is for sure going to relate, that there's been hopeless times as well. There's been times in my life where I've been desperate. There's been times in my life where I've been, I have felt hopeless. There's been times in my life where, where situations didn't work out. There's been times in my life where I've been challenged and I don't like the situation or the circumstances that is going on. And in our story this morning, I want you to try to put your feet in the shoes of the people who are walking this out. We are so blessed and so thankful that that we have the written word of God that that we know how it ends up. We know that Jesus rises from the dead. And we see the significance in that. But see, during this time, there, there were men and women who had given up many things and walked away from many things to follow after Jesus. 
And they knew that he was the Messiah because he confirmed that time and time again by his by his proclaiming of the gospel messages, watching him raise people from the dead and taking something small and providing lots for many people. And as these disciples are walking this out, they thought they had it all confirmed. And then Jesus, all of a sudden, on what we call Good Friday, is dead. Anybody ever felt hopeless? Like, like situations didn't didn't pan out the way that you thought they would, or, or many times you even challenge God on allowing this to happen or allowing that to happen, and we wrestle with these things. And this is life for many of us. The ups and the downs and the valleys and the mountaintops, and I want you to know that you are in good company this morning because even those who were closest to Jesus felt hopeless. And maybe that's where you are this morning. <coughs> The disciples who walked with Jesus for over three years saw all the miracles and all the things, and they were convinced that he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords in which he proclaimed, but now he's dead. But now he is dead. Have you ever questioned situations? Have you ever questioned maybe other people? Have you ever questioned maybe God on why things happen and why situations take place? And, and if I'm going to be honest, I've, I've been there myself over the years. There's been things that have happened and situations and circumstances that have prevailed in my life. And, and in those moments, I, I feel hopeless hanging on to my faith in God that He is the hope that I need to fill that void in my life, and maybe that's where you are this morning. We ask all kinds of questions. Like, what are we going to do now? I had it all figured out, or, or this happened and that happened. Like, like what am I going to do now? I had no idea this relationship was going to go this way, and I found myself in a situation or where I've been diagnosed with this, and, and I feel hopeless, or this took place, or, or this person lost their life, and, and, and all of those emotions and those things that, that, that fester up in our hearts and those hopeless situations, how do we find hope in those times? We're going to talk about that in the next few minutes. Matthew chapter 27. We're going to be starting in verse 57, and we're going to be looking at the time of Jesus' resurrection before the time that he uh, was risen from the dead and see how the different groups in this story, how they responded to the hopeless situation. All right, are you ready this morning? Tell your neighbor they need to wake up, all right? We're going to be just a few minutes here this morning. All right, uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 57. Let's read that together. It says, As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple or a follower of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Now, now, most of us possibly in this room this morning have never heard of the man named Joseph Arimathea. You're thinking like, like, who is this guy? Who is this 
insignificant character in the Easter story, we, we know a couple of things about this man. The first thing we know in Mark chapter 15 tells us that he was a very prominent member of the council that hung Jesus on the cross. We also know from Luke chapter 23, which speaks of Joseph, that he was a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action to put Jesus on the cross. So so along the way, we don't know exactly how uh, Joseph became a follower of Jesus, but somehow through uh, watching or seeing or, or the Holy Spirit confirming in his heart, he became a follower of Jesus, but he kept it secret. You know what I'm talking about? Like he was a follower of Jesus, but he was fearful for what people might think of him. He was fearful what might happen to him. He was fearful of the position that he was in, what people might do if he said that he was a follower of Jesus. So we've got the first man in the story here, a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. We also know that Joseph was very, very wealthy. Some of you are like, I just don't know what that looks like, and I'm like, amen to that, all right? As we read scripture, we see that, you know, Jesus had, had come for the, for the poor and the down and out. And let me tell you something. He came for all. Whether, whether you are wealthy or you have nothing, Jesus desires to have a relationship with you. And I love John chapter 12, verse 32. It says, if I am lifted up, this is Jesus speaking, if I am lifted up, from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Let me ask you a question this morning. Has Jesus drawn you to himself? That's a question that each of us have to answer. Maybe for some of us, there's no doubt in your mind that you are a child of God and you know that you have given your life to Jesus and you felt the pull of the Holy Spirit and your eyes have been opened to the truth of the gospel. But maybe for some of us this morning, you're like, you know, that's a, that's a good question. And that's a question that I wrestle with often. I, I don't know the answer to that. I have the knowledge, but I'm not sure that Jesus lives in my heart. Or maybe some of us are just more honest and bold about that. You're like, you know, Brennan, no. There, there's, there's never been a decision that I've made to follow Jesus because I'm not even sure he's real. I, I'm not even sure he exists. And this whole Easter story, you know, like I wouldn't be here if a, if a friend didn't drag me here this morning. My prayer is maybe for the first time, God would soften your heart. story of Easter and the hope that is found in Christ alone. So we see here that Joseph was a very prominent member of society. We also see here that he was he, had, he was a man of great wealth. We also see here in the story, actually it speaks about it in in John chapter 19, it speaks about a man by the name of Nicodemus who had accompanied Joseph of Arimathea, and, and they went and got the body of Jesus, all right? And it says in, in uh, John chapter 19 that Nicodemus brought a mixture of, of, more, of myrrh and aloes, 75 pounds worth, all right? Now that's a lot. And so 
you get two men, Nicodemus, we know about Nicodemus and other parts of Scripture. Nicodemus was also a very prominent member of that same council that put Jesus on the cross. We know from different passages in the New Testament that Nicodemus secretly at nighttime when nobody could see him, when nobody knows that he was there, went to the house of Jesus and was asking questions because he knew he knew there was something. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. You, you, you know there's something. And we don't know the decision that Nicodemus made to give his life to Jesus. But as we can see from Scripture here, obviously, that he did. Now we've got to ask the question, why, why are these two men? Where's the disciples at? Where's the, where's the people who have been following after Jesus? I mean, where are they at in this situation? And what's happening during this time is, is many of them are in a hopeless, desperate, fearful situation. Because the one they had been following, the one that they had deemed the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is now dead. And they're confused and they don't know what to do. Anybody been there before? Verse 59 of Matthew chapter 27. It says, Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and then he went away. As I mentioned previously, Joseph and Nicodemus were followers of Jesus, but they were secret followers of Jesus. Maybe you know that feeling many times. Maybe in the workplace. Maybe God has changed your life and and you're fearful or scared or whatever the situation is to proclaim that Jesus is Lord in your life. You see, Nicodemus and Joseph, the reason that they are there, because they thought it was too late. They thought that Jesus had already gone, and and the best thing they can think about is, is maybe I can do enough good things here that God will have mercy on me. And so these two men who have been secret Christ followers finally in this time of desperation have enough boldness to step out and say, you know what, I want Jesus' body. I want to take care of this man who has changed my life. There was another group of people at the tomb that morning. Verse 61 It says Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. Now these two ladies, now Jesus came and and gave much significance to women as they should. In the culture of that time, women didn't have much of a voice. So when Jesus came on the scene and said, you know what, I I came for all. And he gave women a voice. He he would do things that would kind of haunt people. He would go and he would speak to uh, women in public and the Pharisees and the Sadducees would always criticized Jesus for doing things that he shouldn't do, but Jesus says, you know what, it's a level playing field. I have called man, just like I've called woman, into relationship with myself. 
And so Mary and Mary Magdalene were, were women who were sold out for the cause of Christ. And I love that they were there this morning because they were waiting with hope and expectation that Jesus could rise from the dead. And here's why. Because Jesus had changed their life. They didn't know how it was going to happen. Although Jesus proclaimed that he was going to rise on the third day and all of these things. And, and many of the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. But these two ladies, they got it and they were there and they were hopeful. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you hopeful of who Jesus is? Are you hopeful in who Jesus is? There's a third crowd at the scene. I want you to see this in verse 62. It says, The next day, the one, of the, the one after the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, speaking of Jesus, after three days I will rise again. Verse 64. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first, they proclaimed. Verse 65. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. You see, here's another whole group of people. And maybe this is where you're at this morning. You've heard the story of Jesus. Hopeful that Jesus is who he says he is. But you're just not convinced. You're just not sure. You're feeling hopeless and, and you're thinking like, maybe Jesus is the answer. To fill that void in my life. Like, like I've heard it. I've heard this man speak that he's going to be risen from the dead three days later. And, and, and you're in that situation where you're almost trying to, to run from the things of God. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. It's interesting that Pilate would send the guards to guard the tomb. To stop Jesus from coming out. you got to understand Jesus is the same one who has the power to raise people from the life. This is the same one who had taken five loaves and three fishes and multiplied it and fed thousands. This is the, this is the same Jesus who had healed people of, of lameness. This is the same people who had brought sight to the blind. And, and, and in the thought of just having two soldiers there to stop Jesus rising from the dead, almost seemed a little comical. Anybody else here? As if Jesus doesn't have the power to overcome these things. And as we know, we know what happened. We know the outcome. We know that Jesus risen. He had risen from the dead. And there was nothing going to stop him. One hymn writer writes this. He says, See the tomb where death had laid him? Empty now its mouth declares. Death and I could not contain him, for the throne of life he shares. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the risen King. I want us to see a few things real quickly before we get out of here. There's some significant things, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. 
as we worship this morning, there's, there's four things that I want to share with you. The first one is, when we are in a hopeless situation, when we don't have the answers, we must be realistic. Here's what I mean by that. The Christian life is a roller coaster, amen? There, there, there's going to there's be times when things are good. I mean, there, there's going to be times where, where you are on fire for Jesus and, and God is supplying your needs. And there's going to be times where you are in the dumps. There's going to be times where you are in despair. There's going to be times when you are in need. And this is where the disciples find themselves in this situation. And maybe more than, more than often, that's where you find yourself. Maybe, maybe this morning you are just hurting. Maybe this morning, maybe you've been diagnosed with something and there is no cure. Maybe there's a relationship on the rocks and, and you never imagined you would be in that situation. Or, or whatever it is, many of us find situations in our lives. You see, for the disciples, it was exactly that. For them, Palm Sunday, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem and everybody was celebrating that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and they were waving the palm branches and, and throwing their jackets out and all of these things and they're, and they're celebrating who Jesus is. And then just a few days later, things drastically change. Jesus is now dead. And they're feeling hopeless. They're feeling confused. But hope is coming. Philippians chapter 4. This is Paul speaking. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The first thing is, is we must be realistic. The second thing, we must be patient. Any patient people in here this morning? Some of you are looking at the person next to you like, no, not at all. We must be patient. You see, desperate circumstances sometimes can be quickly reversed, but many times can be prolonged. Don't you love when God answers your prayer just like that? Anybody else? Like, you're like, thank you, Lord. What about those times that you've been praying about something and God hasn't come through in a situation? Or things didn't work out the way that we thought? And we had been desperately praying, God, I pray that you would, you would heal this person, or you would provide in this way, or, or God, I pray that you would just make that woman fall in love with me, because I'm a pretty awesome dude. All right. Whatever that prayer of desperation is for us. Over the years, one of the things that I've recognized, and one of the things that God's really spoke to me and challenged me on is, is God does more in the times where I'm in the depths into despair where my faith is strengthened. It's in those moments that I have to rely on Him. 
You see, when, when, when things are good, many times we forget the things of God. But it's in those times of, of desperation that many times God uses in our lives. Sometimes it's my own doing and my own circumstances and my own choices to put myself in that position. But many times things happen because we live in a broken world. Oftentimes it is only when we are desperate or in despair that we really recognize our need for God. You see, God might not change our situation, but He will change our hearts. And when God changes our hearts, it allows us to view our circumstances and our situations in a different manner. We must be realistic. We must be patient. Number three, we must be faithful even when our circumstances don't change. Maybe our idea of being a Christian or being a Christ follower or giving your life to Jesus, all of these, these words that we use all the time. Maybe our, maybe our idea, maybe what we've heard is, is, you know what, if I would just give my life to Jesus, life is going to be like nothing's going to go wrong. All your, all your problems and all your worries and all of these things are just going to vanish and, and all of a sudden we're just going to get that big house and all of a sudden we're going to get that car and that promotion and all of these things. Here's the thing. God is able. God's word is so clear. There will be struggles. There will be. There's going to be trials. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be things that I don't like. There's going to be times that I want to get out of the situation. There's going to be things that I, that I, that I wish that were different. But Jesus' word says, you know what? You're going to have these things. They're going to come. And take heart. Because I have overcome. You see, that, that's where the hope of Christ comes in our lives. When that hopeless situation allowing God to strengthen our faith, and, and when our faith is strengthened, our heart is made strong in who Christ is, and we are able to see, we are able to view, we are able to respond to situations differently. Not because of anything that I've done, because there's times that I just want to, I want to kick and scream. Anybody else? I just want to run, and I want to be angry, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. But in the midst of those trials, in the midst of those difficulties, is when God wants to reveal himself in a mighty, mighty way in our lives. And many of us have experienced that. Number four, God's plan is always better than my plan. God's plan is always better than your plan. As I was studying this week, I uh, was kind of reminiscing on my life. 
and the direction and the course of, of my life over the years. And if I'm going to be honest with you, this is the last place I ever thank God would bring me. To stand before a people and proclaim the good news of who Jesus is. And it's not even really what I wanted for my life. But God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. And I believe that he has and he puts us places in, in things because we know that if, like, if God doesn't show up, it's going to be a train wreck. Anybody been there before? Like, God, if you don't come through in this, I want to I be faithful. I want to follow after you in this situation and, and in this relationship or in this job or, or your calling in my life. There's going to be times where we want to we split. We want to run from the things of God. We want to get away from where God has us. But there's no better place to be than to be in the center of God's will. And God is calling. God is searching. God is seeking. God is pursuing us this morning for our lives to bring hope, not just for ourselves, but for others around us. I want to read this story as we close our time together. There's a, uh, there's a book called Once Upon a Mountaintop written by uh, a, a woman by the name of Becky Pepper. It's a familiar children's story. Maybe some of you have heard it before. It's about three little trees growing on top of a mountain. And these trees were, were talking one day, all right? You know, in children's books, trees can talk to each other. Okay, bear with me, all right? Um, and they're asking the question to each other, what do you want to do when you grow up? One of the trees answered, well... When I look up at the heavens and the stars sparkling in the sky, I think to myself, I'd like to be a treasure chest that holds diamonds and precious stones. The other tree said, well, when I grow up, I want to be part of a giant ship that sails across the sea carrying kings and queens to important destinations. Then the one who asked the question in the first place said, when I grow up, I just want to stay right here. I want to grow tall and straight, pointing to the heavens, so that everyone who comes up on the mountain will look at me and think of God. Over the years, the trees grew and they grew. Finally, men and women came and cut the trees down and took them down from the mountain. The first one was, was so delighted to find that he was being taken to a carpenter's shop. But he was devastated when he discovered that he was not going to be made into a treasure chest, but rather a feeding trough. And instead of holding precious stones, he would hold hay and feed the animals. And animals would come and slobber all over him. The second one was delighted to find that he was being taken to the seaside. But then he was devastated to discover that he was not going to be part of a giant ship, but rather a tiny fishing boat. And his cargo would not be kings and queens taken to important places, but dead and smelly fish. The third tree was disappointed that he was cut down at all. He had just wanted to stay on that mountaintop. He was even more disappointed when he was cut into beams that were placed in a stack and lumber and just forgotten. 
Years passed, and one day two people came into the stables where the young feed, where the young feeding trough had not grown old and worn years of use. The old feeding trough watched as the woman gave birth to a baby, wrapped him in swaddling clothing, and laid him in the feeding trough. And he thought to himself, I am a treasure chest, because now I am holding the most precious thing that has ever come into the world. More years passed, and one day the second tree was sailing across the Sea of Galilee. On board were strangers, many fishermen. Suddenly the winds came and blew fiercely, and the, and the waves began to beat against the little ship. And one man stood up and said, Peace, be still. And the little ship suddenly realized that his task was not to carry kings, but to carry the king of kings and the lord of lords. Two more years had passed. And one day the third tree was yanked from the lumber pile and placed on the shoulders of a man who had to carry it through jeering crowds towards a hill called Calvary. When they got there, the beam was tossed to the ground and the man was placed upon it. Then it felt the penetration of the nails driven through the man's hands and into its wood. And as the people gathered around cursing and mocking this man, the poor tree felt ugly and hated as well. But then the man was taken down and buried in a tomb. And on the third day raised from the dead and the tree said, Now... I know that every time people look at me, they will think of Jesus. I'm going to ask Jerry to come back now. Maybe this morning... Maybe this morning, many of you resonate with Joseph and Nicodemus. Maybe you know that there's been a decision to give your life to Jesus, but many times you're asking, where is that joy? Like, well, where is that joy of my salvation that we keep talking about? <laughs> Maybe this morning God is, God is calling you to something, a specific purpose in which God's Word says that He has for you. Maybe this morning we've been struggling with some things in our life and, and we've been wrestling with those things. And, and maybe this morning we too think it's too late. Like there's no way that God will forgive me for this. Like there is just no way and we as well become desperate. We become despair. We become hopeless. Let me tell you something. God desires to fill our lives with hope this morning. Maybe this morning. Maybe you resonate with Mary and Mary Magdalene. And you were just waiting with expectation 
God to move in a mighty way. And maybe you've been praying for the person beside you or behind you or, or someone who might be a neighbor or a co-worker or someone that you are married to that God would just get a hold of their life and that they would give their lives to Jesus. I just want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to keep running the race that God has set before you. Keep going. It is so worth it. But maybe this morning also, you find yourselves in the shoes of the disciples. And you're just tired. You don't see God working in your life. You've neglected the things of God and you know that you are a child of God and you know that God is calling you back to Himself. My prayer is that we just stop and surrender. God is so faithful when we are faithless. God is a God of second chances and third chances and He offers hope for us this morning. That is the story. That is why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because he has paid that price for you. Please hear me out. Please hear me out. There's nothing that you and I can do to never separate us from the love of God. God has made a way through Jesus and he went to that cross on your behalf and he paid the price that you and I could never pay because of the things in our life. We have been separated from God who loves us and who created us and who adores us and is wanting to know you personally and to work and offer you hope and peace and joy and to fill you with himself. But we must come to a point of, of repentance and a point of stopping and surrendering all the I say this because God has so much changed my life. He has offered me hope when I've been hopeless. He has given me joy when I've been in the dumps, and He is all that you and I need. 